0: Awesome. Uh, this is what we do around here, if you haven't picked up on that already, is we, we train people. We help people learn how to live and love like Jesus, and this that uh, Jim's been participating in this year is an essential part of what that looks like as we try to train people in that awareness of God's presence and love so then we can live that love out in our relationships with other people, and I really do believe it's transformative. It's changing my life, and uh, it's thrilling for me to get to hear how it's changing. Jim's life also. Thank you, Greg, for bringing us that story. And by the way, it happens to be Greg and Reagan Amalong's anniversary, right? That's what my calendar told me this morning anyway. How many years do you know? I'm afraid to ask you that. 23. Oh, wow. Awesome. Can we say thank you, God? Thank you, God. God. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Pretty good. Well, guys, we're so glad uh, to see you today. Last week was a fantastic Easter Sunday. I got the privilege of sharing good news. And uh, the good news of Easter is as good as it gets. Amen? And uh, we talked about hope. We talked about the hope we have because Jesus is alive, that if Jesus could come back from the dead, then I can trust him to bring me back from the dead as well. I can give him my life and trust him for what he can do in my life. And that's, that's hopeful. Now, the challenge with that is this challenge. How do I let that hope impact me in the real-to-real stuff of life? How does that show up in my real life when I walk out these doors this week, no matter what I'm facing? And so what we're going to do is we're going to break that down for uh, four weekends, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. And each week, we're going to give you a choice you get to make. You get to choose whether or not that hope becomes real in your own life. And today I'm going to start by asking you a question, and I realize this is going to come right out of the blue, so I'm going to ask it twice, okay? Here's your question. Do you like who you're becoming? I'll ask that again. Do you like the person you're becoming? That's a good question, isn't it? See, one of our biggest challenges is we frequently stay stuck in our past, the pain in our life, especially if there's severe pain, there's trauma, there's disappointment, whatever that pain is, has a way of impacting my present and keeping me from the future that I really wish I could move into. And so very often, we're not becoming the person that we would love to become, we're not becoming the person we think maybe even God would dream that we would become, because we're still dealing with yesterday, or last year, or back in college, or what happened at home when I was growing up, or what happened in my first marriage, and all that stuff is still impacting us today, big ways, small ways. Here's a thought, it's not my past if it's still impacting my present, is it? It's not just my past if it's still impacting my present. And what if whatever's back there in the rearview mirror is keeping me from becoming the person I deeply long to become, the person that I imagine maybe God put me here to be? If we do not properly deal with that pain, my friends, it will cripple us. It will cripple us from being who God dreams we could be. And that is why this good news matters so much. Listen to me, who I was yesterday does not have to define who I am today. It may may impact my story because I can't change whatever happened yesterday. Whatever choices I've made, whatever choices other people made, that's been done. I can't erase it. I can't pretend it didn't happen. And the good news is, I don't have to. I'm going to talk to you about that today. There's something better than trying to pretend it didn't happen or go back and try to fix it all. I can both embrace that as part of my story, and I don't have to let it define who I will be today and tomorrow. That is good news, my friend. Jesus offers us real hope that we can have new life, that he can transform us. In fact, that's the choice that I'm going to put in front of you today. Which one of these do you want more? That would be a good question for all of us. Which one of these do you want more? Do you want to transfer your pain Or do you want to transform your pain? Oh, that is the choice. (laughs) Whether we make it consciously or don't make it consciously, that's the choice all of us are dealing with. I'll either keep transferring the pain in my life to other people, to my own future, or I will let God transform that pain. Here's a good level set for all of us in the room. Every one of us in here needs some healing. Amen? Every one of us in here has been hurt by ourselves or by other people. And if we have not dealt with that hurt, my friend, it will continue to impact everything we touch. That broken marriage you barely survived. That secret sin that nobody knows about. That sexual abuse that you suffered. That surprise divorce that your parents got. That miscarriage that broke your heart. That addiction you hit until you couldn't anymore. That bully who made your freshman year miserable. That overbearing, critical parent you could never please. Whatever the pain is in your life, my friend, it's real. It hurts. It requires healing. We can be honest about it. We can embrace it and own it and name it but we can also find ways to learn from it so we don't have to relive it. And That is the hope that Jesus gives us. I'm gonna do something today that we do together every week. We turn to scripture, we open God's word, and we find incredible hope and healing in the stories that God has preserved for us for so long. And I I wanna choose one of my very favorites. Uh, It's a guy named Joseph. You talk about pain. If you don't know his story, he's one of 12 boys. He's the next to the youngest, a pretty important part of the story. He's his dad's favorite kid. Don't raise your hand if you have a favorite kid. We're on TV. His brothers are jealous of his dad's affection for him, and one day they decide they're going to take care of this problem, and they beat the kid up, and they throw him in a pit, and they decide they're just going to leave him there to die. And all of that's really traumatic, but... Uh, Surprisingly, an opportunity out of nowhere presents itself for them to sell him into slavery instead, and so they decide to opt for that, and they go home and they tell their heartbroken dad that his favorite son is dead. Can you imagine that trauma? That's not just like a story. This happened to somebody. Horrible things like that happen to real people. you imagine... Having something like that happen at the hand of your own brothers, how devastating it would be to be at the bottom of a, of a pit to know I'm going to die here and I'm looking up and I'm looking into the faces of my brothers who are making it all happen. Let's just say Joseph had some family of origin issues. Fair enough? <laughs> Probably so. Let me give you a sidebar conversation before we continue with that story because I think this is something that you ought to carry out of here with you. You ever noticed how much more easily we let hurt in than we let love in? Have you? Have you ever noticed that in your life? I'm going to illustrate for you. Humor me. Don't say any of it out loud. Just think for a second. I want you to remember someone who hurt you. I want you to remember the thing they said or the thing they did that hurt you so badly. Just bring that back to your mind right now. Every person in this room has at least one of those. It's amazing how sometimes fresh that memory can be, no matter how long ago it's been. Now I want you to think of the last loving thing somebody said to you. The last loving thing somebody said to you. Just try to think of that for a minute. Might be a little harder to recall that one, the last loving thing somebody said. I think sometimes it's harder to recall the loving things because we so take them for granted, especially from the people who love us the most, don't we? We kind of just expect, well, you're supposed to do that. I mean, you probably should do more of that. You know, so we we don't necessarily chalk that up as, oh, that was wonderful. You said that to me. You did that for me. That was so sweet. That's so precious. We just sort of take those things for granted. It is ironic. And I think it's an important thing for us to realize. All of us have the capacity to let hurt in way faster than we will let the love in. It's why we have to grow in the awareness that Jim just talked about, where we practically have to train ourselves to notice the love, the love of God and the love of other people and the love we want to give to other people in his name. We have to pay attention to that or it'll, it won't happen to the degree that it should. So, back to our story. Joseph. Joseph. He is rejected by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. Somebody purchases him to be their slave. Uh, The guy's name is Potiphar. He's a very wealthy and influential person. And I want to pick up his story right there for a few moments in Genesis chapter 39. Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. That's a good life, isn't it? Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully, come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do, he's held nothing back from me, except you because you're his wife, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, when no one else was around, when he went into it to do his work, she came and grabbed by his cloak, demanded, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. And when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled... She called out to her servants, and soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And Joseph is framed and sentenced to prison for the exact thing he had the self-control not to do. Isn't that the kind of situation that makes you just want to throw up your hands and think, that's why I don't even try that's why I'm sick. and oh, always doing the right thing. That's why I don't even pray anymore, right? The exact thing he had the self-control not to do, he goes to prison for unjustly. He's forgotten in that prison for years, and he's got a lot of time on his hands. And when you've got time on your hands, this never stops, does it? Boy, does he ever have the time to process what went wrong, what his brothers did to him, why his life has been so unfair, And in those years in that prison, my friend, Joseph faced a choice. Will I let this situation and this pain transform me, or am I going to transfer this as soon as I get the chance? He faced that choice, no doubt. But as the story goes, for whatever reason, he did not become a victim, which is really pretty amazing. He chooses the transformation route instead, and a remarkable series of events plays out. And and again, I mean, it's just like a few pages in here, but this is over years of time, all right? Years of miserable time. He's released from prison, and eventually he's not second in charge of a whole household. He's second in charge of a whole country, the entire country of Egypt, a wealthy, powerful nation. And as transformation goes... His transformation sets him up to be an agent of transformation for the benefit of a bunch of other people. By the way, did you know that's how this works? When you let God work his change in you, you end up being an agent of change for somebody else. That change becomes God's blessing to everybody around you. And that's what happens here. Rather than transfer his pain, he lets God transform it. And he's leading Egypt, and a horrible drought affects the entire region. And lo and behold, if his brothers from the neighboring country aren't forced to come to his country to get help they need to keep their own families alive, don't forget, these boys are the ones who put everything in motion to cause all that pain he's been through in his life. What an interesting turn of events! What a beautiful thing. Fate is to give me this chance to finally get even. I've waited years to have the chance to do to these boys what they did to me. And eventually he's reunited with his brothers. And instead of making them pay for what they did to him, he forgives them. I doubt that he forgave him in the moment. I have a feeling he'd forgiven him in his heart a long time ago, probably sitting somewhere in that prison cell. He decided he was going to be the kind of person who could forgive his brothers for what they'd done to him and putting him there. He would already decided a long time ago not to be a victim of the pain that he had legitimately gone through. And then this moment, Joseph's transformation becomes such a surprising blessing to these boys. He's looking them eyeball to eyeball. Oh, they need him now. He's the one who holds life in his hands for them and for their families. And he offers them transformation, forgiveness instead of revenge. Sounds a whole lot like some other guy I've heard of whose name starts with the letter J. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like Jesus (laughs) who offers us forgiveness and healing and transformation instead of the pain that we've inflicted on ourselves and other people and even him? And he offers us forgiveness instead. In fact, I love this powerful moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the entire Bible is this next moment where Joseph's looking his brothers in the eyes and he says, you intended to harm me, yeah, but God intended it all for good. He didn't say God made it good. He said God used it for good. You had a plan, but God used your plan for a better plan. It didn't make their plan good. It didn't make what they did to him right. He just said, you didn't get the last word on that plan. God got the last word on that plan. Amen? Amen? Just read that verse out loud. Can we leave it up there for a moment, Jack? Yeah. Let's read this together. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Wow. Notice he doesn't deny the past. He doesn't pretend it didn't happen. He doesn't ha- think he has to cover it up or spin it and make it sound better than it was. He says, you hurt me. Your motives were horrible. <laughs> you intended bad things for me, somebody you're supposed to love and protect, But God used it for good. God gave him the capacity, the grace to grieve something that deserved to be grieved, my friend, but also in the grieving to use it for transformation instead of transfer. I love those two words, but God. That's got to be one of the most powerful little pair of words in all of Scripture, and it shows up everywhere, by the way. Every time you see, but God, good news is getting ready to happen. There's a contrast that's being set up here between evil and good, and peril and rescue, and hurt and healing, but God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read you just three or four of them, and there's tons of them in Scripture. How about Psalm 73? My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. Isn't that good? He's mine. Forever it may take my health, life may sap me of my strength, nobody can take God, the strength of my heart for me. Jesus says in Matthew 19, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. <laughs> Isn't that good news? On the one hand, it looks like this. You put God in the middle, it turns out to look like this. The impossible becomes possible Luke, speaking about Jesus in Acts chapter 13, says they took him down from that cross and they placed him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. (laughs) What looks like the end of all hope for all time turns out to be the hope we needed all along, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that if Jesus can come back from the dead, my friend, he can bring me to life. He can bring you to life. He can take the pain in our lives and he can use it for something good. He can take whatever's happened in our past and he can redeem it and weave it into a beautiful part of our story, not because it was good, but because God can do something good with even the pain we've been through. Isn't that good news? Because again, not a person in here who doesn't need healing, not a person in here who's gotten away with no hurt in your life. If you've gotten this far, boy, I hate to be the person to burst your bubble, but it's coming Life is going to mess you up eventually. Amen? It will break your heart. But God can do something good even with the pain. You can't change it. You can't fix it. You could spend your whole life trying to go back and undo whatever it is that was done. But here's the freedom you have today. You don't have to change your history. You can let God redeem it instead. What a relief that is. You're off the hook. You don't have to fix it. What somebody did to you, how life has beaten you up. See, Jesus gives me a new way of living with the past so I can stop reliving it in the future. I'm going to say that again. Jesus gives me a new way of living with my past so I can stop reliving it in the future. That, my friends, is real hope. Jesus says all is forgiven, all has been taken care of with God, all of the sin and burden in this life, and now I'm going to take that pain and use it for something good. Those chains don't have to tie me to yesterday anymore. I'm free to live today, and I'm free to let God do something beautiful tomorrow. The more pain I see in this life, the more I feel the burdens of my own life and after all these years carry burdens with so many of you. I'm very tempted sometimes to just give up. You ever been tempted to give up? To think maybe it's not that good after all. But I am relentlessly committed to the idea that because of Jesus and his resurrection, anything is possible. That if Jesus came back from the dead, anything is possible. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you desperately want to believe that. Maybe you're hanging on to hope with everything you've got. Maybe you want to believe that transformation is possible for you. That even if you don't like right now the person you're becoming, you want to believe with all of your heart you can become the person God dreamed you would be when he thought the world needed somebody just like you. And that whatever pain you've been through can't keep you from that dream that God has for your life. Maybe you long for that deep in your soul. You're just a little afraid to keep hoping it could happen. Listen, we love to cheer for underdogs, don't we? I think it's because somewhere deep inside we believe there's nothing God can't use. There's nothing God can't redeem. There's no brokenness that is too broken for a God who could bring Jesus back from the dead. And if you need a good news today, I hope you leave here in a few moments with a little hope alive in your heart that life can be different, that God has always dreamed of restoring us and redeeming our pain. And he's always said, I will be there to walk with you into the future I have for you. Where you don't have to pretend the past doesn't exist, but you don't have to let it define your life either. God can use my history to de- to help shape me for my destiny. Rather than me being a victim to that, God could say, I'll take that and help that transform your character into the kind of man that you could be by my grace. My friends, here's your invitation today and mine. Listen to me. We'll close with prayer. My job is to trust God to do what only God can do. I participate in it. I may need training, like Jim shared with us today, to help me relearn some things that I badly learned somewhere else the first time around, you know? But I don't don't strive for it to happen. I'm not panicked about it happening. I'm not anxious about it happening. I rest on the fact that God is the one who does the transforming. I just show up and participate. Amen? I just show up, and I may train, but I'm just participating. I'm not trying to make something happen. I can't make happen. God by his grace makes it happen, and my hope is in him. I'm going to ask you a question again. Which do you want more? Do you want to transfer your pain? And if you do, then be honest about it. You don't have to raise your hands. Just be honest between you and God. God, don't think I'm there yet. I'm still pretty much committed that the first time I get a chance to get revenge, that's what I'm going for. Put me in Joseph's shoes, I would not be that good. Or do you want God to transform the pain? That's the choice. It's the choice Joseph faced, it's the choice every one of us faces transfer, transform. Which do you want more? Uh, can we put this back? I realized that uh, we have Josh back there, I think, instead of Jackson. Is that right? yeah I can only see slight head behind the monitor put that back up on the on the screen and let's end before I pray by just saying this out loud together. would you say it with me? I want to hear you I choose to transform my pain rather than transfer. That's the choice. I face that choice most days you chase that uh, face that choice most days. there's hope when I trust Jesus to transform what I No longer want to transfer. And that, my friends, is today's good news. Would you pray with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I don't know what needs there are in this room today, but you do. You know, Father, who needed to hear this the most. You know what the circumstances are, Lord, that are giving us the lens through which we're hearing your truth today. I pray by the power of your Spirit, you'd help us with this where we need it most. I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Because this is an opportunity for you to have a little conversation even before you leave this room or you sign off online. Maybe you just want to say, thank you, Jesus, that you give me the opportunity for new life. Maybe there's something in your past you need to surrender to him. Something you've done, something somebody else has done to you, something the circumstances of life just did. And maybe you need to say again, God, I surrender it to you. It is yours. (laughs) Maybe you want to ask him, God, would you transform that pain from my past? Right now, I'm having a hard time with it. It's hard for me to believe, God, that you could use something as bad or evil or regretful as that. But God, I'm going to trust you. I don't want to be a victim to it. I don't want to carry it into my future. I sure don't want to give it to somebody else, the pain that I felt. Would you transform what Satan intended for evil? And would you use it for good, God? Ask him for that. Father, thank you for the miracle of new life. Thank you for the hope, Lord, of redemption and renewal. Thank you for the promise that you can make us new. Lord, we realize that uh, we have to show up and participate. Sometimes we need training. But Lord, we don't have to try to make it happen. The striving is over. The surrendering is here. And today, again, in this moment, we surrender to you and to your goodness. We pray that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would transform and change us so we can be your change agents in this world. We want your goodness and love to flow through us to those around us, Lord. Not our pain, not our hurt, but your healing. We ask for this again today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before we go, let's get to give you another little opportunity to participate if the spirit prompts you to if there's something that's just on the tip of your tongue uh, that you might want to share with the rest of us um, again only share if you're comfortable you don't have to share names or details if that's a part of the story you need to leave out for whatever reason but is there some pain in your life or you've seen in other people's lives that you think is one of the most challenging hurts to genuinely surrender to god See, that's That's one of the hard ones right there. That's a hard one to lay down. Anybody? Yes, absolutely. Sharon says to be able to forgive people who are persecuting you literally for your faith in some way, that I'm trying to live a life filled with love and I'm being violently opposed in that way. What a challenging thing that would be without God's spirit to get your head around, for sure. See, I kind of want to leave you with that question because I think that question when we start to think, oh, is there some hurt that is particularly hard to lay down? You probably thought of something. It's not whether you thought of something, it's probably whether you want to share it, which is understandable if you don't. But the real question is, do I, do I really believe that God can do something with that hurt? That one that feels so hard to let go of? Do I trust God to do something with it? Do I think he can? Sometimes that's a good place for us to wrestle, you know? Say, is that where I'm struggling? Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about this, and there'll be much more hope to come back for it, no doubt. Here's what I pray for each one of you. I pray that you have a but God moment this week. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, to say, oh my gosh, I noticed this. As Jim said, something bad was happening. It's not always something good. I noticed this, but God... Reassured me in this way, but God gave me peace anyway. But God reminded me of such and such. But God had that person send me that text. But I think God had that person waiting in that aisle at Walmart or whatever it is. I pray that this week you have a but God moment and you realize that is the pivot point between the bad news and the good news (laughs) is that if God could raise Jesus from the dead, then God, my friend, can transform our lives. But with God, everything is possible. Amen? Yeah, let's wrestle with that this week. And uh, it'd be great. Maybe there'll be a story next week you get to share from that. We'll see. All right, will see alright would you all stand to your feet? I'm going to leave you with a blessing that I left you with a few weeks ago that's from my quiet time resource I'm using this year. I love it. It closes out my quiet time every morning, and every time I read it, I've read it now all these days, and it's still such a blessing to me, so I'm going to give it to you again today. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you. Wherever he may send you, may he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing. At the wonders he has shown you, may he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Until then, you get to live and love like Jesus. Have a great week, friends.